Welcome to Car Talk Sunday Kickback. It's me, Matty J, in online in the for the Sunday Kickback with uh, Rizzy Ross and Alan Singh, all from Canberra. What's going on, guys? What's happening? It's all happening. We've got the main man who is in who is in the midst of it all in Canberra. Yes. For him to join us, it's a privilege. It's an uh, honor. What, what can I say? Anything for the homies, you know. I put all up to you know, cut the phone with Scomo. I said, "I'm busy, man. You leave me alone." You know, these are your problems. You take care of your staffers. And <laughs> That's said, exactly can't, right. Can't deal with this right now. I'm, uh, I'm a car talk man. That's yeah. it, man. That's it. The commitment. Yeah, he's just down the road from me. He knows where I'm at. I know where he's at. You know, but uh, yeah. but do we know Some... where Tony's at? Ooh, that's that's the big question, isn't and it? And his budgies are at. That's what we need to know. <laughs> the budgies have been smuggled. They're at this point in some other country. <laughs> yeah, they're gone. <laughs> oh yeah, he's in UK or something. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Alan. Thanks for Always having us, Maddie. No worries. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I know, I know it's hard with with being being the big time politician slash yeah, uni student slash becoming a doctor slash. Uh, WXSTI owner. It's hard. It's a hard job to fit us in. It's hard job it to fit is, us in. It is. So much going on around. But yeah, good to have you on. Good, good to see you, Riz. What's happening with you, man? Not a lot, apart from the fact that I think my brother's going to sell his his golf um, 2017 golf in manual. That was mm-hmm. the first Mark 7, one of the first Mark 7.5s mm-hmm. to come into the country at that time. Um, so yeah, he's going to sell that and he's seriously considering... Um, a Volvo XC60. Okay. Right, um, so. so either either that or he said something as subtle as a Volvo XC60 or a uh, a Velar. And I'm like, I don't think a Velar is subtle. And it's <laughs> tell him, tell him, don't buy anything a Range Rover, Land Rover product. They are they're just junk. Like I, I saw yeah. a brand new Vogue today, <clears throat> Pascal Road on my way to work. Pulled over, and um, yeah, broken down. RSCV car was there, and I'm like, dude, you paid 250 grand for a bucket of absolute shit. Like they're just, they're just not a, they're just not a good car. Hmm. Tell him that's right. Look, oh, we'll, look, we'll, look, to stay clear. The last only started 82 grand. Velas, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, You know, but but by the time you know just they spec them um, up, they spec them up, but also like you know the the chances. I mean, that's just the price to attract people, right? By the time you get there and they're like, oh, dealer delivery will be like eight grand. Mm. And uh, so I'm not paying that. Yeah. You put your foot down, you say I got the main man really fighting my battles for me. Well, with the shield. Gotta get it sorted, you know what I'm saying? It's it just surprises me how people can can keep buying those cars, like despite the fact that everybody knows they are rubbish. Like they are like legit a rubbish car. Yeah, you know, they they. I don't know, I don't understand how how they can how they can still sell a product for two hundred fifty grand when they just all the gremlins they have. It just it just makes me it makes me mad. Like how do they justify that product? I don't think they just well they justify the product to people that want that status. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of them are all as Alum, the true hustler would understand, are sitting on what's known as old money, yeah. uh, money by media moguls and people working in these traditional industries where they, you know, used to work 30, 40 years in a company and then get a car and then, you know, they're supposedly rich and their kids have the same thing. And people don't think, you know, so I, my advice to him was 
stay clear of that. But the Volvo XC60 is interesting at the model that he's looking at. A two-liter engine with, I know it doesn't mean a lot in the um, A45 AMG territory, but the two-liter engine in the R design, it's like nearly 250 kilowatts. Yeah, plenty of power. So, yeah, it's, um, and I think there's a little bit of class and on the back of that. I'm not saying it's great, but still, if you see a Volvo on the road, they're slightly special. I I would prefer one over Velar all day every day. Just not only not only for for um, being an inverted commas luxury car, but but I just think that they're a bit more exclusive and and every, everybody's got a Range Rover. Everybody's you know like but purely for the fact is I think they look good too. I really like the new the new Volvo design. Mm. I think they look awesome. Your brother's not starting a family, is he? No, he's look, not. He just does look, a lot look, of looking at these cars. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, my man, it, as the true hustler would understand, it's all about tax saving. It's about get it's he's paying too much tax, you know, and it's as Ricky Ross says, it's he what he really wants to be paying is luxury car tax. Because once you pay that, you made it. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, mate, as, as we know, you're, you're broke till you got a Benz as well. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And and the thing with the Benzos is at that price point, like around the 70 to 90 grand mark, you get the new GLB, but they're not, you know, as we know, true Benzes sort of start at the GLE class, you know, yeah. or, or C class. Not the GLC, but the C class. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think... Um... I think going for the Volvo. So my camera's been playing up. So I, I think going forward with with a car like that, definitely, he should really think with his head more than more than he, more than his heart. Yeah, if he's if he's saying for it. So I think he should go for a Volvo. I think the Volvo would be better for him anyway because he is going up the high country and a few of those things. And I think the four wheel drive system is a bit more, I think designed for that as well as a safety component of it that I just don't think the Velas or the Land Rover group really gets it, you know, because they sell cars like hotcakes to people that don't think at all. But also, you know, I, I think with that, for what you get in a Volvo, you get a lot Sorry, more, there's my phone going off. You get a lot more tech in a Volvo for cheaper than you do in a, in a, in a Velar from, from all, from all accounts. Now, a friend of mine, he um he bought a Vogue, cost him two hundred fifty k, black on black Vogue. The works pretty much. They had a few things that he didn't get with it, but the door that opens up and you got the um the step that comes down and all, all that stuff. And he's like, he's like, I bought this car because it's a statement car because it's you know your black on black Vogue. You buy that as a statement piece. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but you know, like, I, it's it's a they're, they're beautiful car. They really like, they look good and they and they they're really nice inside, but. I don't know, man. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to doing that for a car like that. Mm. Yeah, I'm the same, man. I mean, the reality is, I actually like the the wagons that are coming out of Volvo as well. Is it the, is it the V60 or the? Yep, yep, that's them. Yeah, they're pretty. But, but, because the the S60 is the sedan version, the V60. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's and and obviously, you know, there's that whole. I mean, I'll surprisingly xc40 and xc60 are all coming out of china but having said that i don't think there's a compromise on quality or you know i guess uh yeah quality control 
given they're selling quite well. It'd be interesting to see the comparison between the two. Um, definitely, I, I think mm. that'd be just to, to see to see a V60 and to see like let's say a, a XC90 that's that's made in Sweden still. You know what I mean? Like, um, it'd be good to see the the differences because like I mean I look at a modern day you know Hilux and Ranger and BT50 in Colorado. They're all made in they're all made in Thailand. Yeah, uh, quality's pretty good. Like you don't really get many issues coming out of there. I, I mean, provided you, you've, I mean, especially for like Volvo, like a big brand that's that's that does luxury cars that have been strong on their brand for a long time. I think that they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let something like that really taint the brand, you know, by by having cheaper labor. No, and I think we've been paying for so long. Like the C classes have been coming out of South Africa and stuff, right? So, um, I don't think it's tainted the Mercedes brands, whereas some of their glbs and the glas and the glcs and all of those you know just be everything to everyone that's tainted the brand and people are people are moving away whether they like it or not because the traditional buyers that they have just don't exist anymore yeah well also i mean look i get why mercedes and bmw and all these companies have have cheaper entry-level cars because people aspire to own the badge, to have the badge, and I and I and I, under, I completely understand that. But I also think that you know, uh, like, I mean, we'll, we'll just chat before the show. Is I, I picked you up in the uh, in the in the W124 yeah, the other last Friday, and um and you, and you were saying, geez, I don't build cars like this anymore. But that's because those cars were they weren't cheap. That wasn't that's a, that was a ninety eight thousand dollar car back then, mm. excluding um you know, inflation. So you got to remember, like, you know, they were built. If you had a Merc, you had a status symbol. Like that was a status symbol. That was an expensive car. You know, to get into your, to get into a Benz, even like the baby Benz was still expensive and it was still a quality car. Mm. Now you can get into them a lot cheaper, and I just feel like you know all these all these you know, models and going here, like they just they do they do take the brand. And I'm not, I'm not saying by any means that my one two four is a great example. It's we all know it's it's pretty old and beat, but. It still felt like you know. It still felt like money. You know what I mean? Like it still felt. It, feel, it felt like still a, a a car that's. They're like, wow, this would have been something special back in the day. Mm. And, and I think looking at like going from car to car, like I went in a I went in a modern day C class, just just a C two hundred, and I was like, you know what? I think the finish is great. It's, it's a nice car, but like for this money, I could buy a Mazda three, for example, spec it out and it'd be better it'd be a bit be a nicer car and better car. And you'd have more you'd have more tech, you'd have more stuff in it, and it and it, you know you'd be you'd be a better car. I mean when I went in that Maybach for example, that was like next level build quality. That was like you know what you're paying for there. I mean it's a half million dollar car, but you know what you're paying for. That's that yeah. to me that to me was like, well, okay, that's what that brand is. That's what they should. That's what they should do. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just it's probably just me being being a cranky old man. But like, I, I think that's 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 the uh, that's the issue. Mm. Adam Ward says good day, boys. And Samuel Pyro says, should he buy an AU Falcon? Yes, you should. Absolutely, AU Falcon is the uh, the epitome of of perfection. Uh, as, I, as, I, I agree. I think yes is the only answer when it comes to an AU Falcon. Alexander's got uh, questions. He says, what Riz says about the starting benchmark of the Merc range is very true. Anything below the C-Class is relatively comparable and or less equipped than all the everyday brands, Mazda, Hyundai, Kia, and even more. Yep, spot on, Alex. Like, that's... Uh, I com- completely agree with you there. Like, like, I was reading a debate, and it was like, to buy a... The guy wanted to buy an, an A-Class or a 
Mazda 3. And to, he, he could have got a top spec Mazda 3, a Stina SP. I don't know what the top spec was anymore, but it's like everything. Every bill on missile with it, it was like it came under 40 something grand. Now, an A class starts at what, 45 ish, Riz, approximately? 45? Yeah, they're, they're getting closer to 50 now. And that's with nothing. Like it didn't have autonomous braking, didn't have, didn't have much of anything really. So they're like, why would you buy a Mercedes if, you know, but by the time you spec that up, it's almost $100,000 for a, for a freaking A class. What the hell's the point? You know, at that point, you may as well go into a C class, you know, but I don't know. It, it's, it's, I think it's just people wanting to get into that, into that, that badge and they'll do it by any means necessary. Hmm. So I guess this is the, this is the point now that, you know, my suggestion to my brother is, you know, we're looking at the Kodiak, but then I don't think we should go for another Volkswagen group car, especially if it's an automatic, because we still don't know what the, you know, and I've also been hearing a lot about the dealer experiences and it seems that they're not, they're not getting better. They've got a level of cockiness and he's got a manual and he has had no issues with the car at all. That's, you know, but getting an automatic would be a concern given nothing's really changed in all of these years with their transmissions. So it's, and power wise as well, it's the Volvo is quite powerful compared to, I think, yeah, the, the Skoda is a little bit underpowered as well. So yeah, I think, you know, from BMWs as well, X3 is a good, a good one. You're still looking at close to a hundred grand and they're just not worth it. You know, I think the, the reality is if you want something classy and you want something that's, you know, relatively powerful and only time will tell. Remember last time when he moved back down from New South Wales, Maddie um, and Alan, we went up to the black, what was it, the black spur? Black spur and stuff, yeah. We, we we'll, we'll have to do that again once he gets this next one. Absolutely. I, I also think, like I've said it before, like a dual clutch transmission is not needed on a passenger car. What is wrong with your, your standard automatic? Like why do we need dual clutches for for your Fiestas and your Focuses and your Golfs and your Polos? Like what's the point? I don't understand what the point of, what the point of that is. Is just to say oh, I've got a, like my car can shift in 0.2 of a second. Like, so what? Like a, a good conventional auto, you know, like a, like a good ZF these days, you know. And people and car um, car companies are going back to automatic, like proper automatics, yeah, for that reason because like they're like, well, why did we change? Because 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 one company VW is like, oh, we'll 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 do this and we shall we shall follow, follow that. No, like it's. I don't know. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with a conventional auto. Like, a good conventional auto is a great is a is a great thing. And you know, I, I like, for example, ZF are, are known to produce amazing transmissions. And 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 you, you go in like a you know anything with a, with a good ZF, and it's just like, well, why why would we do anything else? Why would why do we need why do we need that? It's, it's even even transmissions not I guess of a high caliber, but just I guess medium like uh, the i30. The standard six-speed automatic in that was wonderful in, yep. in the one I drove around. And critically, it, it never frustrated me like uh, a golf dual clutch did. Several mm. situations where, I guess, uh, I think the one of the most iconic is a free right turn where there's no lights and you're just going against traffic when there's a gap. That kind of you're hovering on the throttle, moving it, inching forward, and then you want to really go for it. In that moment, several times uh, with a dual clutch, the car just shit itself. Mm. Um, it did not know what it was doing, didn't know what it wanted to do, downshift, upshift, and nearly caused a crash. And just, I was absolutely livid. I thought one time, you know, forgive it, but multiple times, just, yeah, 
uh, not happy with that kind of. And again, it's purely because that transmission's again meant to be shifting in so many, you know, hundreds of milliseconds and being splitteringly fast. That that's all it can do well. Whereas the the day to day, that slow shifting, when you're unsure of whether to pull out or not, it struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it, it 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 finds itself in the wrong gear. It it, it selects the wrong gear. It, it's you know, like as a, as a performance transmission, yeah, I get it. As a performance transmission in a Porsche, PDK, yep, makes sense. Okay, I I understand. In an everyday car, like, and and everyone I speak to that that's owned one said, yeah, they they're weird to get used to. And then when you do anything wrong, it's how you drive it. It's not how at the dealership <laughs> it's how you drive it. It's not it's not what the car's doing wrong. When it, when it, when when they're theoretically flawed, like they're a they're, they're actually a manual transmission, you know, and. It's essentially like you don't get that that roll forward you do in a you know like the off the talk bit off the talk converter you know in an order you you don't get you don't get any of that it's like either you're on or you're off and it's and it's just jittery and like I've driven a few DSGs and nothing never did I come out of driving a DSG saying wow um, that was incredible like not once and I've driven I've driven probably three or four of them in performance situations A grade anything else unfortunately is pretty crap. Alexander's like, try slow speed driving in an R35. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm assuming probably not going to be uh, to be fun. And, and I remember reading a comparison. It was a R35 GDR, a Porsche GT2, and <laughs> believe it or not, they put an F6 in there, and it was just like three six-cylinders, all different engines, like configurations, all different power outputs, et cetera, et cetera. And they said around town the R35 was terrible. <laughs> they they said it was just like not a good time at all. And um, they're like, they're like, things were much better in the in the in the um, in the GT. I don't I can't remember if that was a if that was a PDK or if that was a manual. But yeah, they they all wanted to be around town in, in the Falcon because it was a conventional auto. Because that's that's just how it was. It just it just works in the, in that in that instance. But get on a racetrack, as you would know, Alex, and it'd be it'd be epic. And I, and I I get the reason why they used like I, I totally understand it, but again I mean it's an R thirty five it's not exactly a a uh, you know run of the mill golf but, you know and and that's the reason why I don't find I find them so pointless. Everyone with with their you know, with their golf R's is like, yeah mate my car's two point six seconds to one hundred <laughs> on a uh, on a stand- on a crack on pop tune and it's gonna blow its engine tomorrow. Yeah, crackle and pop tune with a uh, stage 35 turbos and stage 106 uh, exhaust and stage 69 intercoolers. Like it's just, it's just, yeah, they 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 just ah pointless, pointless. But like, I mean, like I get why they work in there. Don't get me wrong, as a performance transmission, yes, all day. Like you, you can't shift faster. Like mecha- manually, we can't, we can't do it. It's just, it's it's physically impossible. But in an everyday situation, when you're driving the car 99.99% of the time on a on a standard road, what's the point? Yeah, maybe they'll I, change their mind eventually. Maybe that's right. I mean, like you know, I know a lot of the Japanese brands have gone to the CVT situation, which is probably a more reliable option. I'm not saying it's more of an enthusiast option. But still, you know, the reality is the whole automotive industry is changing quite rapidly. And some brands that do decide to keep, let's say, the standard conventional autos uh, with them, like the Serato, it's got a conventional auto. The 
I usually drive it in the eco mode, but you switch it to sport mode and you can tell the transmission response is, I'm surprised at how much it changes, um, yeah. holds gears longer and all the rest of it. And it's done over 70,000 Ks now in under two years. And there's been no issues with transmission or that engine itself. Um, but they just work. They just, they just work. They simple. Keep it simple. Stupid. They yeah. Just I mean, what did the AUs have? You know, we have to go back to the godly car, the car that has changed and revolutionized the way this the industry in this country. That's you know, standard standard transmission. That's all. The the, the good BTR four speed. Yeah. I, to be fair, they are a very smooth transmission. <laughs> very smooth. They can't. They work. But yeah, uh, I mean. But, you know, here's the thing also is, like, in my brother's Ranger at the 10-speed, yeah, I find that pointless too. I find yeah. it's, it's constantly changing gears. It, it just doesn't mean I, – I know it's for economy and it's, you know, and to keep it in the, to keep it in its ultimate – its best torque, torque, torque figure. But it's, it's just 10 gears. It's just, just – it, it's constantly changing. It doesn't know what it wants to do. Yeah. But 10 gears is, again, uh, I guess a side effect of not wanting a CVT. Because that's that's the ultimate design of the CVT where you don't unlimited. have fixed ratios. Yeah, it's just unlimited. The car will always be, you know, in that perfect torque range or whatever it needs to be. And the problem is people don't like the sound of the car going like you know, holding there at those revs because it doesn't feel conventional. Yeah, it doesn't feel like what you're used to. And you know, you could argue that it's you can uh, artificially, I guess, build in ratios um, for people for the car to I guess get to where it's going and then eventually just adjust the ratio towards the end to make the car as efficient as possible. But I guess there's got to be an attitude change in there as well. I think doing the whole, as you said, like 10 whole speeds in the transmission, uh, that's just added complexity. Uh, you know, warrants, you know, added cost and failure. So I, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to say don't do that because, again, people aren't very happy with CVTs as they are. But it's just, I don't know, it's, uh, I'd still take that 10 speed probably over uh, a new clutch. Yes. I mean, mm. to be fair, so would I, but at the, in, in the same token, I'm just like, I, I drove my brother's Ranger and like, yeah, it's a, it's a, they're a great car. They're, they're really good to drive, but constantly, it just feels like it's mm. like just constantly, yeah. constantly changing gears. And, and like, you know, I, I, I get, I get why that, as I said, I get why they do it, but um, oh, it's just annoying. I, like, yeah, the Rangers. I drove them for two years for work in Queensland, twenty fourteen and fifteen. The same six, with the same shape, six speed. Six and speed. And used to travel one hundred and fifty k's each day, no issues at all. That six speed was awesome. Yeah. Paired with, I think at that time it was a two point two liter, the base model sort of diesel, and but yeah, the, I can imagine what it would be like with ten speeds. And I remember a couple of years ago when Lexus introduced, I think it was eight speed gearboxes. And people are like, yeah, whoa, did. that's that's crazy. And then I think obviously the DSGs were seven speed for a while. But yeah, if efficiency versus whatever, it doesn't mean anything anymore because in the next three to five years, the whole industry is going okay. to look very different, unfortunately. Well, I, mean, I, remember, I remember watching a review, Jeremy Clarkson when he drove the ISF, and that had a that had an eight speed conventional torque converter automatic. And he's like, yeah, it's a great transmission, but it's just constantly changing gears. And, he, and he's, he's like, why? Why have eight speeds? Just have six. Like six work well, you know. And for for this exact reason, what we're talking about. 
Yeah, Alexander's like his Amarok is the same, eight speed, um, and he's in fifth gear by the time he's across the set of lights that he's that he's going from. Like that's, it's just it's just it's just constantly just changing gear. Like it, it just it, it'll do you hit him. It, like, so, it sounds like people are driving road rangers. And they just you know, yeah. in fifth by the time he crosses the lights, they just like get the next year you're in twelve. This and that was purely necessity that caused you know such transmissions to be built. Uh, why are we going in that same direction? I don't know. Maybe electric cars will save us all. But not in Australia because we don't have the charging infrastructure to do anything about it. Uh, yeah, we, we don't have the infrastructure, but I mean, they have to do something now. But I think, I still think our uh, our government. Not, not the coalition. It's in their name. They're not uh, big on, you know, uh, innovation and green energy. Um, I think they are. They. I mean, they're progressive. They've had the Barnaby's bonk ban now for a couple of years. Um, and they're moving forward slowly. I think we're, I don't know if you guys know on a, on a different uh, Welcome to Submarine uh, talk, the 10 subs that are being built with diesel engines in them, they'll be ready in 2030. We won't have any diesel to feed them <laughs> because every other manufacturer has moved away from that. Maybe... Maybe Senator Pauline Hanson was right to ask questions in that uh, estimates hearing. Every time, I, every time I think of how behind we are, I think of that that video of um, the end of the world where it's like it's like everyone else is fighting and then he's asked, "G'day, mate!" Like you know, it's just like just you know, what's happening, mate? Like we're just, we're just so far behind everyone. I think the peak of where we were was sort of around the two thousand to two thousand and two sort of era. Mainly because the AU Falcons were running around everywhere. Expensive. Since then, it's just gone downhill. <laughs> I mean, when the AU came out, I mean, as, as much as we give those cars crap, they they won a lot of awards, but also they they kind of changed uh, Ford in in the way that they never really they never really recovered in, in Australia, but. It is what it is. It is what it is. It was. It was that good. It didn't sell. Put it that way. It was that good. It didn't sell. <laughs> Let's get into some car updates, uh, gentlemen. Rizzy Ross, how is the Serato? You're up to seventy thousand k. What's not, happening? Not much is. Uh, not much has happened. To be honest, it's just yeah, just driving. Like I said, brothers looking at the cars at the moment, and um, yeah, interesting to see. I think all the price increases that people have had for their cars. It looks like the number of cars up for sale on car sales is um, had reached the bottom at about 120,000 cars. Compared to last January, it was 210,000 cars. So we're approaching 140,000 now. So it's, well, 137,000 is slowly creeping up again. So if you're still holding on to a car, you're thinking it's going to go up in price, uh, better sell soon. Yes. yes, it's finally going to become the buyer's market again. It will still take some time, mm. but it's at least progressing in that uh, in that direction, uh, which is, I guess, some positive news for those of us who've been waiting to pick something up. I'll throw down good friends of the show, Callum and Nathan. They're both on a car hunt. Well, Callum actually purchased a car. Oh. He ended up purchasing a Hyundai Ascent 2015. And he ended up getting that for, I think it was 11-something, with about oh, yeah. 140,000 Ks. And comparing that to the Red Book values, 
obviously inflated, but not super, super inflated. So, yeah, that was, that was some good news. He's very happy with that car. I think Matt already knows about it. He's uh, nicknamed it Cheeto. <laughs> it's a lovely orange, orange color. Um, Nathan is still on the prowl, and I think Nathan will benefit from uh, taking those extra couple of months, yeah. hopefully, for more market stabilization. It's very interesting regarding the accents because the one that got stolen was the 2014 one that I had. I bought it with in 2015 with 30,000 Ks, ex rental car from a dealer for 14,500. And even when it got stolen, the insurance paid, I think, 10 and a half. And that had 140,000 Ks on it. So they don't drop much in value, those accents. There's always a lot of demand for from P platers and other people looking at a efficient sort of car. So good choice. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. Reliable choice. They, I even drove the CVT one, which your sister has now. When I was when I was had a when I had a rental. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. I I thought it was a good car. So definitely, um, if you want a reliable form of transport that that that'll get the job done, go for one of those. He's he's definitely happy with it. The other choice I think he was uh, leaning was a Focus, uh, one of the more sport oriented Focuses. Uh, I think it's a little bit older for a little bit more money. And I said, look, if you want. An overall more fun car, I should say. I possibly go for the Focus, but being sensible, you know, we're, we're all adults at this point. I thought the uh, the Ascent is probably the better car. Yep. As long as it doesn't go for the Focus with the uh, power shit transmission. Yes, I, I definitely wonder about that. I think it was 2011 Focus. Yep. Don't do it. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I said that I think that's so roughly where the power shit started. So, yeah. Yeah, no. if you're going to go for a Focus, they're a great car. If you get the, the conventional order, just just do that. Save yourself issues, issues, issues. A couple of questions before we get to your car update, Alan. Uh, Rob's like from uh, the Dynamic Father Son Duo, they should never have asked the employees to choose the grill design for the AU. Yeah, that's probably what the first I mean, thing was thinking the first time. I was like, what the hell were they thinking? Alexander's like, uh, we have listed our Tiguan recently purely because we might be able to make some money off it. Tons of auction places are wanting family SUVs, probably because all the COVID babies that were made. <laughs> God. Completely agree with you there. People were enjoying themselves during uh, during during lockdown. Well, there wasn't much else to do. Yeah. It's always the same crap on TV. And uh, yeah, staying indoors. Well, something happen. had to be up given a lockdown. <laughs> 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 I meant the car prices. Yeah, definitely, course. definitely. Um, the STI is going strong. Um, I will hopefully be making a return Tuesday evening. Unfortunately, I'm returning later than I wanted to because of scheduling issues. So I'm just doing some maths on ensuring I have as much sunlight as possible given you know, we're getting closer and closer to winter. I think I'll be leaving here about five o'clock I'm hoping to get around Albury by the time the sun actually, or, you know, I lose all sunlight um, because that way, if anything does happen on the road, I'm not too, too far from home. Um, not a big fan of night driving on freeways and the bush, considering we live in a country full of kangaroos. Uh, I did do some investigating about those um, ultrasonic kangaroo um, preventers or whatever you want to call them. They don't work. Um, purely, uh, if, you, if you just look at the, the science on it, it's expecting the wind to rush into the car or rush into this little tube-like device and then generate that noise. All that noise is being generated where the car is and behind the car. 
um, the kangaroos come from the front most of the time, so um, <laughs> it's not really that helpful. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I just take my chances of drumming as much in light as possible, and then, yeah, doing um, a bit more careful during the uh, the night portion of the drive. I'm tempted to drive a bit faster during the day portion. Um, I know I shouldn't, but uh, I know I always keep it within the limits. I mean, you, you, are, you are traveling from Mexico, so that's... I, know, yeah. I keep yeah. it within the limits, if any, please, the lodging. Um, but yeah, I, I try to um, push, the, uh, push the, the daylight limits as possible. The other thing was, um, I think I sent this to... Patrick, George, Adrian, Ed? Ed? No. Ed. Ed's going to kill me now. I don't know why. It's always Ed's name that I forget. Like, <laughs> I know Ed, but it's just... The name Ed does not come to me. Um, I sent him an MX5 on the uh, Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. It was exceptionally cheap, well, compared to other I've seen, at 6500 dollars dues, mm-hmm. um, but it had done 300,000 Ks. So, you know, it's the car still ran fine. I'm not that averse to getting a car with high Ks because I know, again, if you get the car with the high Ks, you can just keep driving it anyway, not worrying about putting Ks on it. Absolutely. Um, it's just... 300,000 makes me worry a little bit more. Uh, probably because it's Mr. Singh. What car recently did you drive of mine that has a uh, th- uh 300,000 Ks on it? Yeah, the MR2. That's that's, yeah. that's why <laughs> I'm still okay with it. Yeah, um, the, only, the only reason is we don't have a, head, a headquarters yet to park the car in because this is going to be a clandestine purchase, as you know. Oh, um, course. yeah. Alan the hustler and his clandestine purchases is it's a difficult <laughs> game to play, but yeah, no, um. I've had an eye out for MX-5 and what I might just do is just wait for the market to stabilize a little bit more. That one was good. I might, if it's still available, it'll be my car of the week. And I'll probably share that with, you know, you boys. But um, yeah, something like, I, I think I discussed it, uh, especially after experiencing the MR2. I really want a car that I can um, club edge and have it be, you know, real drive, ideally like a coupe kind of thing. So it's just a, you know, mm. nice Sunday drive. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, still, we'll see. I'm not rushing into anything. That's the most important thing. I'm not rushing in. No, well, MX5 is a, <clears throat> a great entry um, mm. class of car. Like, they, like they're reliable. They work. Parts are everywhere for them. I mean, looking back now, MX5 versus AW11, MX5s are probably the one to go for in terms of um, parts. You know, avail- availability. And when I mean, there's there's a, there's a, call, a place called the MX5 factory here in here in Melbourne. So there's you know, there's there's plenty, there's an abundance of, of aftermarket and an abundance of you know re- reproduction parts, so you could essentially rebuild that car for not a lot of money, and you'll have a cracking example. Um, so oh, I'm. Gee, I'm yeah. That sounds pretty good. Definitely not opposed to MX-5s at all. Steph mm. says had good ex- experiences with the kangaroo repellent in the many country drive experiences she's done. The only time I didn't see a kangaroo was when I was driving a car uh, with one of them attached. So I'm assuming that means uh, you know d- didn't see didn't see one at all when when using those repellents. Now apparently the, the repellents say look, and to be fair, I sell them at work. Um, they do say like they're an ultrasonic sound that that kind of beams off. Um, but I, I yeah I don't know. Like I remember when when we were driving the Sydney. Uh, Tyrone, Julian, James, and I from the Tuesday Review. We took the Typhoon and we were about halfway there, and we saw this guy in a, in a v, VX Commodore 
the front was caved in. Like he had a massive kangaroo, and we were like, "Yeah, we're slowing down." Now we got a bit scared. So in when we got to uh, Sydney, we stopped at a, a suit local supermarket and just bought. Let me bought two or three packets of them and just stuck them all over the front of the car, all over the drive home, to to be safe. And yeah, we didn't really get into any any issues with that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they work. It, it's just it, it's hard to say. But like reading the packaging, they also say that you can put them in in the grill and you know you can have them there. That's mm-hmm. that's how they work. So I don't know. It's just yeah, logically speaking, with wind noise and cars momentum the noise that's being generated should be generated kind of behind you Absolutely. in that direction so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that's going to block a kangaroo from the front some kind of uh electronic generator which would be generating some kind of infrasonic waves let's just say from the front which would be highly illegal might might prevent some critters on the road but it's probably more um more effort than what i'm willing to go to and my insurance is nice enough that if I crash the car, not that I want to, lock on wood, in these next few months to years, um, they'll just replace the car. So it's not a big deal. Mm. Um, I don't want to be in that situation, of course. Or I'll just keep my car. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, the other alternative is I come on Wednesday. But that'd be, that'd be wasting a day. and I'm not <laughs> known to waste a day. I'm a hustler. Uh, <laughs> it's every day. Every day. Um, Every day. Um, just a quick question on your... I know you're saying they're going to be replacing the car if there is any issues in terms of it being considered a write-off. Have you got windscreen protection with your insurance policy? No, I do not. Right. I'm, I'm considering it as my insurance renewal time is sort of nearly here, mainly because with all the... Uh, lane keep assist and camera technology that sort of runs through as the camera sees through the windscreen um, the, to get them replaced if there is a crack or a chip is very very expensive um, you know we're talking anywhere between 1500 to the last I heard a Hyundai Santa Fe $3,300 that is quite a bit of money. And I would consider it, except my car, due to it being the manual, has none of those. Uh, right, front it doesn't have issues. any of the cameras. It, it does have one camera located at the front, but that's purely um, it detects if you've got your high beams on, um, it'll right. turn them off uh, if it detects a car coming at you. Oh, but it's still looking through the windscreen, though, right? It is. Right. I don't, so believe, I don't, I don't know if they, that would need that same sense of calibration. Calibration, yeah. It could, it could. I could be screwed by it. But well, uh, worth, it, worth, I guess worth asking, worth giving a dealer a call and just saying, hey, uh, you've had a chip in your windscreen and how much is it to replace the windscreen? Mm. Um, because even if you take it to O'Brien's or whatever, a lot of the times if it requires any sort of calibration, they'll send it to the dealer. And if, for example, like... You know, if if it's another hundred bucks a year for me, I, I'm happy to pay for that. Just for the fact that, especially for driving on highways and stuff with trucks and tippers driving around with, you know, little stones and other bits and pieces around the highway, um, just I, I think it's going to be a costly exercise. And a lot of a lot of new car buyers are just not aware of these uh, intricacies to replace them, and it's nearly ten percent the value of the car in some yeah. cases. Yeah, 
especially like olden day windshields, you'd be looking at 250, 400 bucks yeah. and you're on your way. Um, it, it definitely don't want to be in that kind of situation. Now I did get, um, I got a stone chip on the front bumper and I got a slight scuff on the, the windscreen itself on the drive to Canberra. So, you know, it's a, it's a risk you always take every single time you're passing by a big truck. Um, yeah, I think when I go in for the six month service, I'll probably ask the dealership, like, what's your cost of a windscreen replacement? And assuming the STI, considering it doesn't have the rest of the cameras, it's reasonable, I might. Not otherwise, I'll have to hit up my insurance to, um, yeah, definitely look at getting that windscreen replacement uh, policy as well. Just make sure you're sitting down when they tell you the price. Uh, <laughs> Alexander's, like, auto rain sensors as well. Yep, they're on the windshield. They'd have to be calibrated, I'd say. That'd, that'd, mm-hmm. be, that'd be another thing. So... I mean, it's got me thinking. My mum's old Mazda 3 had rain sensing and, and auto headlights on, on that, but obviously not the, the the parking assists and the and the, all those anti-crash, you know, sort of systems didn't need to be cal- calibrated. Uh, for me, I don't have to worry. My cars are all too old. But <laughs> but going forward, I have heard some horror stories. I think you said your friend that's got a Civic Type R, was it 1500 bucks? It was fifteen hundred bucks, and that was the cheapest any Honda dealer could do. Some of the quotes were twenty one hundred dollars from Honda dealers. That's expensive. They did have the windscreen, though. I think Honda's based near Essendon somewhere, and uh, the Honda Australia. They did have the windscreen in stock, which was not a bad thing. But it's yeah. just the calibration, and they wanted to charge. I think it's about hundred and fifty or hundred and eighty dollars an hour. Wow. Uh, was their rate and also like not all windscreen protection is the same but I'll, I'll i'll run you through the journey as i sort of upgrade my policy and you know sort of figure out what it's worth if it's 400 bucks a year additional on top of what i'm paying then it's not worth it but then you know it's worth reading the product disclosure statement as well as to what it actually covers and the last thing we want is for it to say it doesn't include any calibration mm-hmm. because then it would just mean it's not worth it yeah, because yeah, I'd be very intrigued. Turn a box. I'd be very intrigued if um, they price a coin to the car, so they know they know if it's like a Santa Fe or something that's going to be three grand. So they start charging yeah. you four hundred dollars a year. But uh-huh. if it's just like a regular older car, they're like, oh, it's just fifty bucks extra per year. But it's yeah, it's it's uh, insurance is such a an area that nobody knows, and at the moment, I feel that you know people don't know what they're paying for. And the industry doesn't want to change either. So you yeah. can have all these things that you think you're protected for. If 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 we take our windscreen protection, but if they don't cover calibration, uh, just not worth it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. That's for sure. I think, uh, yeah, it is a very very costly exercise now. A friend of mine, gosh, you know, I've, I won't say who he works for. But he, I, I know who he is. Nah, he like that. Just anyway, he, uh, he's a mechanic for said company, and yeah. he he did a front bar replacement on a on a on, on a car, and and uh, the only way to calibrate it is to actually go and drive the car and cause it to go into a crash situation. So he had to go calibrate it by driving the car around the block, and the and the errors were still flickering up on the screen. Um, but you have to kind of adjusted by pretty much running into things apparently i'm like that is terrifying because if it doesn't work you're crushing a customer's car 
He's like, yep, that's exactly how it works. So that would be the, the automatic emergency braking of stuff, right? Correct, yep. Mm. <laughs> can you imagine you just ask your camera guy, can you stand there for a second while I accelerate up to 60 in front of you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really interesting because uh, mine's actually done it when, a, when a, a gentleman who I believe was off his head ran in front of the car and the car saw it before I did. And I was doing under 60 because it was a 60 kilometer zone. Um, so, but yeah, it, it does work. But yeah, if in some cars you have to be over that limit and imagine if it doesn't stop, cause I know it doesn't stop for kangaroos cause they move so fast. Yeah. So it's, yeah. But the, the fact that he told me he had to go drive the car and, <laughs> and, uh, pretty much put it into that situation i would be terrified i'd be like be like no i don't want to do that um especially after seeing uh, how volvo's first kind of iteration of automatic stopping happened and they were showing people and i don't know if you guys would have seen these videos but they're in there in the press videos where they had all the all the press there to to witness the car stopping automatically and <laughs> it ran into the back of the truck that it was supposed to stop behind and, and everyone's like well that didn't work so imagine if that system fails and, you know, but like the fact of the matter is that, that you have to calibrate it to a point where that's the, that's the issue of how to make it work. That's not a good thing. I don't think, I, I think they should be able to calibrate it. <laughs> I think, I think there'd be um, uh, like probably non-dealership supplied ways to actually calibrate it properly, which include with, with possibly having like an inflatable product that would be similar to a human sized figure or a car, you know, that kind of thing, which is usually what they do in practice situations. But it's probably not supplied because it's not a very frequent thing to do, uh, mm. to have to do. Um, I'd say having to take the car out on the street and get into near crash, near crash situations is not the by the book way of, uh, of calibrating. It's just the way this gentleman had to do to um, workplace, uh, we'll call it, uh, workplace uh, constraints, yes. Um, yeah. Can we just quickly talk about um, catalytic converters? Absolutely. So, so obviously catalytic converters, for those that aren't in the know, uh, are basically just um, a honeycomb kind of mesh inside your exhaust system coated with certain precious metals uh, that's supposed to help break down some of the more harmful parts of your uh, exhaust smoke so it doesn't pollute the environment as much, such mm -hmm. as nitrous oxides and whatnot. All cars are legally required to have them if they're manufactured past a certain date, so anything new, of course, has to. Um, but recently, I guess, partly because of the crisis, partly because of other reasons, one of the um, metals used in uh, catalytic converters, rhodium, um, which started at about a $6,000 price per, I'm assuming, kilogram, um, spiked past $16,000 per kilogram. Oh. Um, and I think it's more recently been up to $24,000 per kilogram. So a significant price rise for the catalytic converter materials. Um, and I would say in that situation, it would indicate that there's possibly also more catalytic converter theft um, going on. Uh, so it's, if you park your car at a station or something, I mean, it's hard to uh, you know, avoid. There are a few companies in the States I know that are making some, um, I guess, catalytic converter shields that um, they're not, oh, nothing's nothing's 100% safe, of course, but it's enough mm. to possibly get a person to move along to the next car. But it's, it's getting pretty ridiculous. So if you can avoid parking your car out late at night, you know, because um, you may be 
if you start your car up and it sounds like a tractor, um, yeah, just have a look underneath your, your catalytic converter may be gone. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, something come up on my Facebook feed and it was like, oh, this old person's Merc. It was like, it was a, it was a one, W126 and they had just hacksawed the, the, the cat out of it and they've, they've left both parts of the exhaust. They've just, just, they've just taken the cat and pissed off. That's what they do. They just get the yeah axle running double cut and just yeah they're on their way. Cooked. So, People are yeah. cool. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Car talk top tip, Alan. Uh, yes, car talk top tip. Don't park in weird areas for extended periods of time if you can avoid it. Um, if you're unfortunately in a situation where you just have to park your car out, try and look into a color converter shield. It may save you. At this point, possibly thousands of dollars. Yeah. What I gathered from the legend himself is stop investing in Bitcoin. Invest in precious Catalytic metals that make these catalytic converters. Yes. That's, this is what it is. It's, you heard it here first on cards. Also, also, if you're a recycler buying, you know, just cut pieces of catalytic converters that are yay big, maybe ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. That's, yeah, says it all, says it all. Anyway, car of the week time, gentlemen. Where it's where we all pick a car from the classifiers that we find this week, 10 grand or less to find who's got the best one. Uh, I think, Riz, I found a car for you, and I, I went hunting for you, Riz, this week, and I, and I think I found you a car. Um, but you've got a car, and your, and your car... Do you want me to share it for you or did you want to share it? Riz, Riz, Riz? Uh, yeah, that would be good, man, if you can share it. Absolutely, I can, mate. So, I will share it for you now. I like these, Riz. My mom had the exact same car, but in a Ford Laser. Yeah, I had a Ford Laser. And my dad had one of these back in the day. So, yeah, these are um, really, really, really reliable. Um, I, I just, like I was saying earlier, they don't make benzes like they used to. They don't make cars like this anymore. Yeah. Um, just, so yeah, couldn't kill them. In this particular example, I was blown away at how clean it is. Um, just, yeah, it, everything seems pretty legit. I know they haven't got a lot of, a lot of photos, but it looks like it's been really well looked after and the kilometers, um, seem a bit higher than what I would have thought if I just looked at the pictures. It's got, um, it's got headlight protectors. Look how clean the engine bay is. It's got aircon. It's an aircon car. Aircon fitted car. Is it a power steering car? I don't think it is. Oh, no, it is. It's a power steering car as well. That's mm. So it was it was option with power steer and aircon. So, I mean, as a runabout, this is an excellent little, little, little machine. Yeah. I'm not sure what the badge at the back says, but it it's... Slider or something shades, like that. Shades. Oh, shades. Yeah, it's yeah. Even some of that little um, artwork on the car is quite interesting, but not a lot of description on it. Just three months rego and timing belt and water pumps just been completed. This, yeah, I was I was quite impressed with it. Having said that, I will have to share. Well, I'll have to share something with you, Maddie, because no I think the listeners might be interested um a particular car come across it's outside of our 
uh, well, the conditions for car of the week, but I think it's worth sharing. <laughs> I would have chosen this. Have a look at what this is. Oh God. Okay, so we'll share this just just for just for the um for the giggles. An eighty-five mighty boy. But but just look at the specs. So this is it's, it's had some modifications. It's got some gauge. It's got a nardy steering. It actually looks really tidy. I reckon it's had some flares on the guards because it's got some guard extender pieces on there. Be I'm surprised. Sure it's got like semi slicks on the car. What the hell? Re- read the description just quickly. I know it's a long description, but just okay. A... It's it's a modified example. What is the modification, Riz? Let's have a read. It has. Uh, it's apparently made by some of the best mechanical engineers have worked on this car in the country. <laughs> it was this in the was... 2019 Adelaide Rally, and it has a Ford, well, I guess F6A turbo engine with five-speed manual gearbox. Out of a Suzuki Alto Works, which is a uh, like a K car in the. Mm. And due to the lightweight of this car, apparently this car was right up the backside of a Porsche Turbo going <laughs> up the hills. It's really astonishingly quick. I'm in Adelaide, always wanted a good mighty boy, so I had to have this one. Unfortunately, after I trucked it from Melbourne to Adelaide, I found that SA requires a fresh retro and roadworthy inspection, even though it went through engineering uh, in Vic. Um, and Vic is renowned as the toughest registration of crimes in the country. So again, it passed through that. It's got, it's got an M play. It's been, it's been, it's been officially, um, it's been officially converted. So it's engineered. If it's engineered, you can get it anywhere, man. Dude, this is not bad. Lots of bits and pieces done to it. So just a bit, just a bit of a different type of example of what's still out there and what's starting to come up for sale now. Thanks for sharing. I know you like a mighty warrior. Is this is cool. I like it. My car. So Riz, you know how, how I how I always think about you and Alum, you know, uh, especially Legend. when we do this. This one in particular, we're going back to 1985. Now, again, we, we, you like 1985 cars by the Suzuki yeah. here. How about a 1985 <laughs> Toyota Crown JDM supercharged, factory supercharged one? 8550. And it is, it's got the, the, the JDM yellow foggies. Um, it's got, oh. yeah, it's got, look at that velour and mold kind that, of, uh, kind, kind of, kind of, kind of interior. That is an exotic combo. The, the mold pattern gets me every time. Um, but really like clean, even the original stereo in there, really clean example of a crown. Now this is a pillarless, um, not pillarless, a uh, door pillar. Uh, yeah. Uh, pillarless door pillars uh, but really tidy this was like the face of that japan got and we stopped mm. selling them at this point so it's pretty much the same car as the one it's like anthony's got but this one's way better for the pure fact that you're getting a uh two liter supercharged inline six mm. so you're getting a one ggze supercharged straight six 100,000K, 107,000K, semi-pillars chassis, dual aircon. It's got a fridge in the back, electric seats, weather shields, fog lights. Or, or the, this is probably the best factory feature, the automatic swing aircon vents when they, when they swing automatically. Uh, yeah. That's such an 80s thing. I love it. And they've got that. It has one little rust foot in the rear quarter and the rear screen is cracked, but be professionally detailed inside and out. And it's really, it starts first crank every time. 
it's had a whole bunch, bunch of maintenance done. Eighty five hundred bucks, and you were getting yourself something very, very unique and very JDM and very quite fast. So that is very I'm, cool. I I'm a big fan of this. I uh, like this. Good, good find, Maddie. That's pretty. Given the case, it's yeah, looks super cool. The only thing is, having lived probably well three and a half years on the Gold Coast what you find from the Gold Coast is probably not what it is. There's always, there's always a backstory by someone who couldn't pay up and this car was recovered on the back of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, lo- it looks pretty cool though. As you, as you know, Riz, I'm always looking for you. And I know you want a JDM car and I think this I found it for you. JDM spec. JDM. That is pretty sick looking car. It is I pretty must cool. say. Um, I will uh, just put up what I've got. Unfortunately, the car has at this point sold. Okay, that's all right. Um, which is rather a mm-hmm. shame. It was a very good price. Price down to $6,500 from $8,500. It was a, a Mazda MX-5 and ND. That was all right. Manufactured in 99 with a 1.8, 304,000 Ks. So I'd say a little worryingly up there, but at the same time, uh, as long as the car's been taken care of realistically, it should have been fine. Um, it was serviced allegedly every 10,000 Ks, garage full time. And the sale reason was because they're going overseas. They're from Year in Victoria. Um, well, overseas in this climate, I don't think he's going overseas. I think he just wants to sell a car. You can't, yeah. you can't leave the country. Um, overall, looks pretty clean. Does look tight. Um, okay, yeah. soft top looks to be in good condition. Yeah, Engine looks like bay that. looks relatively clean, as clean as it can be. Could be cleaner. Quite original. Um, yeah, unfortunately, no pictures of the other side, passenger side. So maybe it's hiding something there. <laughs> um, but again, like compared to everything else that was priced out there. Quite cheap, at just sixty five hundred dollars. Possibly they were talking to lowering the price a little bit more. Um, I actually seriously considered that car, and I, you know, inquired with Ed, and he said as long as it's been taken care of again, shouldn't be too big of a worry. Unfortunately, I am too late in this circumstance, but um, yeah, that was my uh, my car of the week. You, you like yeah, it a bit, car, don't you? I um. I'd say they're all right. I uh, I may have a soft spot in them because of an even speed. Um, <laughs> underground. But, but yeah, of course, underground too. Um, the MX-5 was the car I built up from the ground and then, yeah, turned to a rice rocket, an absolute <laughs> beast, until I could get you know, the WRX or the uh, R34 GTR. Oh. <laughs> At that point, I abandoned the car. But until then, it was my baby. Um, That's awesome. Just... Like I said, um, I have in more recent years just been after something nice, real drive, coupish, you know, um, as a weekend car. So you know, I've been I've, I've been looking. I'm still on the look. Um, again, I'm not going to rush into something, but that really did catch my eye for a little bit. Yeah, no, that's mm. definitely a uh, a cool proposition. Like, I think I think anything MX5, especially early MX5, NANB, they're on the rise. And NAs, I don't think you can get NAs for under ten grand these days. So. NB was probably would be where you're at, but I personally actually like the look of the NB more. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually happier with an NB. Um, but again, it's just about finding the right one. Yeah, 
that's the that's the that's the hard uh, that's the hard thing to do. But because as as they get older, as they get more cases on them, it's also harder to justify those price increases. Like I've seen NB, uh, sorry, NAs are like you know twenty grand. I'm like, man, it's not a twenty grand car. It's not. Mm. Let's let's not be silly around here. But well, some you, you can pay. pick them up for under fifty, I think, and early forties. Some of the new MX-5s. Yeah, and and they're pretty unique if you see them on the road. I. I I, I do have a soft spot for them. And yeah, it's just a fun car. Yeah, absolutely. I would happily own uh, an RF uh, Mazda MX-5. I reckon they're a good... I reckon they're probably they're one of the best looking ones that they've made. And they... And being an MX-5, they just drive brilliantly always. And and that's always the answer. Yes, they're not fast, but that's not the point. They are supposed to be a back-to-basics raw sports car. And that's what you get when you buy a Mazda MX-5 hands down every time so fan of them but yeah i, I think alum nmx5 yeah came came to see one of those but rizzy ross i'm keen to see you in that uh in that crown my friend in that crown yeah we'll be wearing one of those um <laughs> it'd be interesting to see how many of these 80s crowns are still available for importing yeah i know we need our importing guru scotty the main man he needs to be on this show so we can get some real legit advice. Absolutely. Um, he, yeah, he's the guy to, that imports. So, so that that's that's cool. I th- I think out of those three cars, I I'd have to I'd have to go with the crown, just what? because of how unique it is. And if if the seats could be cleaned in some way, I think it would be it'd be <laughs> well worth. Um, well worth flying up um, to have a quick squeeze. It's a cool car. I, I do like them, and I think there's just not many examples left in, in Australia in particular. Especially a supercharged one. Like that's, that's quite a rare car. Mm. You wouldn't think there'd be too many getting around. Alan, what are you going with? Uh, I'm also going with the Crown. Wow. Yeah. It is uh, like, is the car also named Scumshine? Yeah. It's- uh, the the Scumshine Coast, Scumshine is you generally refer to as a Victorian suburb. Um, I'd, I'd consider it more. There is obviously on that uh, page itself a nice little offer for shipping the car six hundred dollars to Melbourne. Um, it's just I feel when the car's here, you can't really give it back if uh, again there's a dead body in the boot and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a difficult time to go check out cars countrywide, even though we are. I'd say close to getting uh, control of this uh, this virus and uh, immunizing people and uh, getting things on their way. It's just like, uh, you know, from what the main man, Rizzy Ross, said, you uh, there's always a story behind cars mm-hmm. on the coast. So, uh, you know, I'd like to know that story before I would put the, uh, pull the trigger. But um, still, something that rare, something nice, stressing, supercharged. I um, think who the car was taken off, there was a trigger potentially pulled. <laughs> um, being on the gold, Goldie, you know. There may or may not have some glass pipes cleaned up at it. That's why it's been detailed <laughs> interior and exterior. <laughs> uh. Uh, I, I, think it's, I think they're a cool car. I'm, I'm a fan of them. So, uh, I mean, that, that's probably just me because, uh, because I do like them, but... I think hey, also, you got you got two votes that aren't even yours, Maddie. Yeah, I know. Fans. This it's is the first. 
this is quite this is quite the first time where everyone's actually been hasn't said oh potential or oh <laughs> look at Matt's car this time he's, he doesn't that's not a supercar, Matty. That's not a supercar. It's, it's not just... supercar status. Adrian, <laughs> Adrian, where you at, sir? Adrian, you're not here. An R35 is not a supercar. Uh, do I still get people comment, commenting on to me and saying, saying, what what was he on when saying this sort of supercar? <laughs> uh, all part of the fun, though. So I guess my my vote doesn't really count, but uh, um, I was I was kind of going to go for the uh, the um, the three two three because of how clean it was, but it's not going to matter. Crown wins. I think I'm back on the board. It's the first my first win in quite a while. Mm. Thank you very much. So. I think it's uh, well deserved, and I'd like to thank everybody. Uh, thank you, Riz. Thank you. Uh, I think I think you do all right, Maddie, in smaller groups because there's less bullying. Yes. Um, yeah. It's... There's less of a pile on happening, you know. Uh, the moment we get, you know, five or more people, you are out. Like, you, there's no chance you'll win it. Jeez. See, I, I choose cars for for reasoning. I don't say, "Oh, this looks right. I'll, I'll pick this." I've Every time I pick a car, I, uh, I, Riz, I had you in mind today because I know you're after old JDM, you know, club JDM. Original. So I picked a car with good reasoning, and the car's so good it even sold already. It was sold. <laughs> <laughs> this is like yesterday I was talking to Ed about it. So, um, you know, that, that's how good the car I picked. Who was to say Ed didn't purchase it? Yeah. That's true. I bastard. Yeah. <laughs> on the show today. He's gone and bought the car, and now he's going to try and sell it to me for like eight grand. He is the uh, he is the the dealer of us, and he is the, uh, the, the MX LMCT hustler, he's the ultimate MX, flipper, ultimate flipper. He's the MX Five guru. He has got he's had probably like four or five of them, I think, in the past. So, I feel like if I'm going to buy one, I may just enlist him to find me a good one, and then I'll pull the trigger on it. Um, I think an MX Five as a sports car is actually quite a good proposition. Yeah, like the other alternatives, obviously, as we discussed, you know when the mind of um, an AW11 myself, but <laughs> the ones that are available are kind of dog shit. <laughs> yeah, think you found it. You got a diamond in the rough there and you've made it, you know, quite a bit better from where you had it. Um, yeah, I helped, I like to think. You did, um, you did. So yeah, there's probably a lesser chance of you picking on something like that. But, um, yeah, anything, like I said, rear-wheel drive, kind of coupe-ish. I'd be, I'd be happy to, from ideally, you know, the 90s or 80s um, or very early 2000s would kind of be from where I'd want it. You just, want, you just want to be able to say running in the 90s, don't you? You want to be able to play that song and be happy with it. That's, that's the only song I'll play in the car. Be on repeat. And as soon as the soft top comes off, it's like, just vape everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's like, it's moldy from the Goldie. Yeah, that's that's the... Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. It's nothing to do with the Queensland floods. No. no I, th- I think it was a moldy Japanese material being used and it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I quite like that car. I reckon it's a, I reckon it's cracking value for, you know, eight and a half. You're getting, you're getting something very unique, supercharged, you know, it's... How often can you say, yeah, you got a supercharged two liter straight six? They'd be like, oh yeah, what's it in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I think something like that. You pull up to that in a cars and coffee VIP spec, Rizzy Ross. I think you'll, I think you'll get, you'll be breaking next, definitely. You'll be breaking next. But... Now, before we end up finishing up on the show, gentlemen, um, obviously that was car of the week. We finished, but 
I'll be looking in like because you know you know you know what I'm like. I'm always always looking at cars online, looking at how much they're going for. And, and we were saying earlier that it's a, it is a, possibly about the crash and the the, the well, not crash crash, but like the pricing is going to come back into. Well, there's going to be some sort of equilibrium. Do we think that that's going to is that that's going to come into effect because of the dealerships getting stock? Or do we think it's just going to come into the fact that people are like, well, I'm not paying 65 grand for a Ranger with 100,000 Ks on it? Um, I think it's a, it's a bit of both. Uh, dealers are starting to get more stock. Um, imports of uh, vehicles into the country, uh, the Australian, well, the ABS releases figures, and I think. Uh, December and January were uh, some of the biggest months in terms of, I think, $3.7 billion worth of vehicles imported into the country. Oh. So there'd be mainly new cars. We don't get a lot of used stuff, as you guys know. So that's starting to pick up. That, that, yeah, that new car in, uh, influx or people purchasing drives, obviously people then moving on their used cars mm. into, into the used car allotment there. So that's it, right. it was very important. And I think, you know, that recycling sort of started to happen. But also, I think people have started to see as 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 they're sort of learning to live in this COVID normal that, you know, the government and these guys wouldn't be running public transport if there was such a big risk of transmission there. Yeah, A lot of people are working from home uh, and they've realized that they're not going to be required to go back into work. So they're basically like, we've got a car sitting here we need to either move it on or figure out what we're going to do with it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting and stocks building up again. And I think for well, fingers crossed by uh, the, the last quarter of this year, we're going to start to see it sort of get back to pre COVID levels. Um, Is that with everything or do you think like uh, old mate from Moxie with a, Mark IV Supra automatic non turbo that wants 80 grand will still want 80 grand for that car, or would that actually come down to realistic prices? Do you think cars like that will actually come down, or do you think like the the COVID tax or the or the hashtag JDM tax on like an R34, for example, will still be $600,000? I think the JDM tax would be around. Um, I don't think that would change much because the supply of that particular type of car is not changing. It's only sort of decreasing. And it's like the Australian housing, right? People, it's, it's hit, even in COVID, it didn't go backwards. Hmm. So it sort of hit that point And now people have been made to believe that that's what it is. That's how much they need to pay. So I'm assuming with these cars, it's going to be something very similar, given the supply of that particular type of car is not increasing. And the demand is, demand is increasing globally, though, as they get older. Yeah. No, it's just it's going to be interesting to see. So, car talk top tick before we before we finish the show. If you're going to buy, wait, or if you're going to buy, or if you're going to sell, sell now. What are we What are we telling our yeah. our loyal followers? Uh, no, I definitely agree with. If you were holding out for a good price for your car, get it on sale, get it rid of it. It's probably at the best price it's going to get for now. Mm. Unless, of course, you've got something incredibly collectible, then those same rules still apply. Um, the you know it'll probably still end up getting more value in the future. But if you just got regular cars, like um, 
it was Alex saying just getting rid of the Tiguan because people want family four wheel drives, that kind of thing. You don't expect those cars to surge in price. Their cars have just gradually depreciated until they sit at that little end point. If you've got something like that that you were thinking of getting rid of, get rid of it now so that you can get your best price. Because if you do wait till you know towards the the later half of the year, mm. it's probably going to be uh, you're not going to be getting the same price as you were you know in the peak of the COVID market, and you'll probably be disappointed. Mm. Money was cheap. Money was cheap. Did you guys see? Did you guys see the Shannon's results from the last auction? I wanted to talk no. about those. We, we were the, on Tuesday night. The auctions were were finalising up, and that original Honda Accord. Do you know, did you see how much that went for, Alan? No. Have a guess how much that original Honda Accord went for. What was the guide? Up to eight grand. The guide is up to eight. I reckon it went to twenty. Keep going. Twenty-four. Keep going. Twenty-eight. Keep going. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Thirty-eight. You're a bit lower. Thirty-six two fifty. Jesus. What? For a 1977 Honda Accord manual coupe. Now, to be fair, it's probably the best one in the world because it's got like a low case. But like the guide was up to eight grand for that car. Then the next day I saw another one pop up that had a bit more Ks and the guy wanted like 12 grand. And then I read the comment like this car was sold like half the price like last year. So the people in the water were like, well, we've seen how much that goes. Well, let's, let's, let's cash in. But, uh, yeah, really kind of just, I mean, who'd buy a car like that? Do you reckon the Honda, Honda Australia bought that to, to put it back into, into their fleet? Because that was a that was ridiculously, uh, ridiculous amounts of money. So hmm. what, what, um, what year was that car? 1970-something. I'll share a link now. 77. Because we, I, I tagged you and then we got Mr. Prince to look at the 78 Accord. Absolutely. Uh, auto in the green. Yeah. Uh, that was pl- part of price at 12000 negotiable. So, <clears throat> uh, like, what, what do we say? Do we say that this car is now a bargain or <laughs> more likely that the, the Accord of the Shaman auction, auctions uh, went uh, somewhere far higher than it should have? Well, I mean, the plates were selling quite quite expensive. Um, all your memorabilia goes, always goes expensive. But, like, You'd expect your, you know, your platelets number like five seven one to sell for one hundred and fifty grand. You'd expect that, but yep. what you wouldn't expect is an an old Honda Accord selling what's that four times more than what they were saying it was going to be at. So that kind of personifies um, how crazy the market is right about this time. So like I, I'm, I was just trying to think who the hell bought that car. And for me, the only people that would consider paying something like that, I mean, it, it is, let's be honest, a, a, a museum piece. If you look how clean that car is, it's, it belongs back in the, um, back, back in a Honda, uh, Honda, like, you know, heritage collection. It is that good. But like, oh, 36 grand for an old Accord? Like, I just think, what else could you buy with that money? You could buy so much other cool stuff. Really? Right? <laughs> I mean, you could you could buy this accord that's on Facebook, still available, <laughs> and then you'd have what, still another twenty four grand left over for activities. Yeah, I mean there was a, there was a ninety eight E fifty five AMG that sold for nineteen and a half. How much did the MR two end up going for? I want to tell you right now. It went, it went in the twenties. I think it got to twenty two in a bit from memory. 
So yeah, twenty twenty three one hundred is what I went for. And what were they hoping for on car sales itself? Uh, twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. Kind of happy they didn't get the figure they wanted. <laughs> RX seven series three coupe. Um, that sold eighty five first gen sold for fifty two grand. The Starion uh, JB Turbo, so not even a wide body. I don't think it was a wide. Yeah, it's not a wide body. That's off for twenty six thousand and a dollar. Um, Stagia uh, RS four thirteen and a half. Yeah, even a Stagia RS would be kind of cool for you, I reckon. I like them. Yeah, so do I. S fourteen two hundred SX. Okay, this is a good one. Guess how much the S fourteen went for? Hmm, eighteen. It's a Series 1, S14, 200 mm. SX. I'll tell you a bit, a bit, bit, bit more about it. It's, it's funny just, just seeing you guys check these out. Um, so it had... Uh, it was a Australian-delivered um, S14, 200 SX, because we never called them the Sylvia here. It has... this. It, it was pretty much... This one was all stock. doesn't say the kilometers on the... On the... Uh, Thing, but this is a five seat manual. Guess how much it went for? 18 grand? No. 32. No. $41,000. Uh, that's, that's crazy. For an S, S14. The final, an Evo 10 final edition sold for 82200 Jeez. But see, like, you can still get a Peugeot 505 STI for like, you know, five and a half. Old Jag. Five two SLCs were passed in. A few of these cars got passed in. The 500 SEC AMG, 46 grand. 380 convertibles, uh, 51. Lotus Esprit is quite surprising. That's 45 grand. Lotus Esprit Turbo, 45 grand for only four grand more. You're getting an exotic car over an S S14. <laughs> I don't know. That's just crazy but yeah i mean there was also the sierra rs because that sold for 116 grand um but then like some camaros that went cheap the startsky and hutch grand torino modified one was forty-four thousand. that looked pretty cool so yeah there was some there was some cheap cars for the money you could you could get some good things but you could also spend some big money so i.e spending money on a, on a, a old s chassis that's now worth a lot of money it is what it is. So just thought I'd uh, put those prices for you there, guys, because they are pretty insane. Thank you, gentlemen, for tonight for tonight's uh, tonight's show. It's been good. Thanks, Maddie. Good to see you, Alan. Uh, like and share our Facebook page. It's Car Talk T R Q E with Maddie J. If you missed any of our previous episodes, that will often challenge on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get, you get your podcasting app. So don't forget to subscribe, rate and review to Car Talk. Check out our merch. Buy some merch that supports the show. Uh, it's on our Teespring store. So just type, go into teespring.com, type in Car Talk store, or jump on the Facebooks and find our link on our Facebook page. Alan. You can check out Sunrise Arcade on 99 Northwest FM every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Um, <clears throat> you can catch the podcast on Challenge and iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you get podcasts. Like and share the Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash Sunrise Arcade. For all your gaming news and reviews. Where's your Ross? Carlub.com.au, guys. If you're in the market for a new car or just want to know what others are paying for it, check us out. 
yeah, check them out, check them out, check them out. You, you want your best best price, Riz of the Man. He will get it happening for you. Thank you, guys. I will see you next time. Take it easy.